Is weight training on your to-do list, but somehow you still haven't gotten around to getting started? I get it. It's intimidating. It's stepping out of your comfort zone, but wouldn't it be great to finally do it and start looking and feeling younger and stronger? I have the answer for you. My new Strong for Summer group coaching program. I've got six spaces in this unique eight-week weight training Kickstarter where I'm going to be helping you get started weight training either at home or the weight room, your choice, so you can get stronger in time for summer. If you're interested in learning more, reach out to me in Instagram in my DMs or send me an email at lynn at befitafter40.com. The information is in the show notes. So this week's episode is a continuation on last week's episode, which was about how quickly you will be able to see and feel results from starting weight training. And like I said last week, it depends. And there are really a lot, a lot of factors. There are some factors that you cannot control. There are some factors that have to do with how you're training. So what you're doing actually in the weight room. And then there are factors, what you're doing outside of the weight room. And last week we covered the first two. So what you're doing or the factors you can't affect and the factors that you can affect in the weight room. And today it's the stuff you can affect, which is outside the weight room. So if you haven't listened to last week's podcast episode, go back and take a listen Today will be short and sweet. Last week was a little bit longer, but I thought it will just get too long if I try to throw everything into one episode. So today it's about the things that you can do to affect your results outside of the weight room. So last week we talked about the things that you need to be doing inside of the weight room. And I do believe that those are some of the most important aspects of whether you will see results or not. So if you are following a good program, you are training intensely, training regularly, consistently, and you've given it time and you're still not seeing results, then start to look into these factors here. And actually, yeah, these are good to have in place anyway, but but they're not going to make as much of a difference as your actual training is going to make except for this first one. (laughs) So the first one is your recovery. So muscles are not built in the weight room. That's only part of it. So they're stimulated in the weight room. You in the weight room, you're telling your body that, Hey, I'm not strong enough to manage life. And then it's after that stimulus that the actual growth and strengthening happens. So you need to allow for recovery. Research is fairly clear in that recovery should be at least 48 hours. So don't train the same muscle on back-to-back days. If you've trained it on Monday, then wait till Wednesday or maybe even till Thursday. So this is somewhat individual. Uh, Women tend to recover a little bit better than men. With age, you tend to recover a little bit worse than you did when you were younger. So if you're a woman in middle age, you need to sort of figure out like what is your magic sweet spot? 
So for me, for example, I, I can do the 48 hours, but I prefer the 72 hours. So like if I work out, I'll do lower body on Monday, I'll do it again on Thursday, but sometimes my weeks go so that I can, you know, that I have to do it on Wednesday because yeah, life, uh, and the way that you'll know if you've recovered enough is that you're able to go in and do a good session again, that, that you feel fairly fresh uh, when you go in and train again. Now, of course, life can get in the way of that feeling as well. Didn't sleep well, kids woke me up, stressing about work, you know, whatever. There are a lot of things other than whether you've had enough recovery days that can affect that. But in general, if everything else is perfect and then you notice that, oh, last time I was able to lift more than this time, it might be that you just haven't recovered enough. Or it could be one of these other things that I will be mentioning soon. So you need these recovery days. And um, Okay, so a lot of people like to do cardio in addition to doing weight training, and I think that is just great. Of course, our cardio health is important. I think um, I meet more women, and of course, I meet them because I'm at the gym a lot, but I meet a lot of women who are doing cardio like five, six, seven days a week, sometimes two classes in a row. So, hey, you know, it's a little bit of overkill at this point in our lives. Like when I was 20, in my 20s, I was working out two, three hours a day and doing fine, but my body would not be able to stand that anymore now. And even, even now going to my high intensity, like dance classes and things, I noticed the next day that mm, my knees and mm, sometimes my Achilles tendons. So yeah. So if you are doing a lot of cardio, I would really recommend that you actually take two days a week that you don't do high intensity cardio or medium cardio or weight training, that there are two days that really are recovery days for your body, that you, on those days you can walk, you could maybe go to a stretching class or or some something that just like feels good, but is not demanding a whole lot from your body. Some people like to swim, that feels good for them, or water jogging or biking. You know, it's not like you have to sit on the couch doing nothing, but that's allowed too. I have definitely had days where I'm like, okay, my my body just needs to do nothing today, <laughs> you know? And that also is a combination of, of stress factors from other parts of life. So... So the point is that you need the recovery because that is when the magic happens. That's when the muscles grow. And it's not just like rest days from weight training, but also making sure that you're getting enough recovery from all of your fitness activities. Okay, then uh, sleep has to do with the recovery part as well. And also with... <laughs> so many other things that just suck about perimenopause and menopause, sleep disturbances. Sleep is super important. And that if your sleep is totally off and you're just, you know, needing toothpicks to keep your eyes open, drinking coffee instead of water, you know, all day long, then those are 
that is obviously going to be affecting your ability to recover because you're just exhausted. So do prioritize sleep. I, I think I could say with probably 99% assuredness that I can't really think of a situation where I would advise a woman who is in perimenopause or menopause to sacrifice their sleep for a workout, right? So personally, what I do is when I go to bed at night, I set my alarm for eight hours in the future (laughs) so that I will get at least seven hours of sleep. Because of course, the moment that your head hits a bit low is not when you're going to fall asleep or it shouldn't be, though often for me, it unfortunately is. And then yeah, you actually wake up a little bit during the night and all this kind of thing. So I set my alarm for eight hours. And if that means that I don't have time for a morning walk or whatever, then that's fine because I know that everything in that day is just going to be better if I've gotten enough sleep. So if you have the luxury of being able to do that, like I do, and you know, if you work for yourself or you have flexible working hours, then then that's definitely a a life hack that I recommend. So make sure you're getting enough sleep and that's particularly a challenge in menopause and definitely uh, recommend that if you're really having trouble with your sleep, I had that as a huge challenge in perimenopause. Talk to a menopause health practitioner or a doctor to get some tips and some help with that. For me, I still use melatonin to help me. And then I've learned some sleep habits, which have really helped me to sleep better. For example, I have a pitch black room. I have to have a pitch black room. I actually moved houses and picked a house where I could be in the basement. And I have two sets of blackout curtains. And yeah, and I'm in the basement because I had three teens at the time. Now only two of them live at home, but oh my God, they were starting to be at that age where they're up all night and then they're going to the kitchen and they were waking me up because my bedroom was close to the kitchen. So now I'm in the basement and kind of soundproof. I've started using earplugs uh, many years back and I have red lights in my bedroom. So in the evening when I'm getting ready for bed, I have the red lights on so that I'm not stimulating my mind. So there are a lot of things you can do with sleep hygiene. Oh yeah. And the other thing that I think helps so much for me is keeping the bedroom cool. I literally do not use the heat in the bedroom (laughs) during the winter and it gets cold where I live. So it is not a place that I want to hang out during the day because it is so cold, but I sleep like a baby. It is amazing in the winter. Summer's a little harder. Anyhow, so that's about like recovery and rest. Definitely an important, important thing in general for menopause health and also for building muscle. Then the other part is nutrition. And this, I did a whole podcast on protein. It was podcast number 10. So go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it. But in a nutshell, we need amino acids to build muscle. They're the building blocks of muscle. And like I like to say that if you're trying to build muscle without enough amino acids, it's like trying to build a brick house without any bricks. It's just not going to work. And even if you're not trying to build muscle in order to maintain the muscle that you have, eating enough protein is going to be important. So make sure you're eating enough protein. And I bet you, you aren't. 
So like I said, go back to the protein episode. It has tips on how to um, measure how much protein you're eating and also how to structure your meals to make sure that you're getting enough protein. It is really a key factor. Yes. And then in general, getting enough food. So if you're brand, brand new to weight training, then you probably can build muscle fairly well, even if you're in a calorie deficit. It's going to be better if you're in maintenance calories, which means uh, eating so that your weight's not really fluctuating a whole lot. Of course, you have weekly fluctuations and daily fluctuations, but where you're, you know, you're able to wear the same size clothes for a longer period of time without any problem, right? That's when you're about maintenance. And, um, and that is going to be important to have enough food. Yeah, maintenance is better. And then at the point where you're a little bit more experienced weight trainer and you really want to keep building muscle, then you might want to think about adding a little bit of extra calories um, to your diet. And the reason for that is that your muscle tissue is an expensive tissue. It burns more calories just existing. So if your body is feeling like, hmm, I need to, you know, get to this equilibrium where I'm not using more energy than what I'm getting in from the nutrition, then it might make the decision to get rid of some of your muscle mass or certainly not to put more on. And, and so, yeah. So if, when you become a more advanced weight trainer, weightlifter, that may come into play for you, but making sure that you are eating. So you're not like doing one of these crazy 1200 calorie diets and then expecting that, Oh, I'm going to build muscle. That's not going to happen. And building muscle and maintenance really uh, does work. I've been doing it all year. Um, and you know, where the weight on the scale has stayed the same, but my body composition has changed. And, um, and it's actually really interesting because I've been doing these in-body measurements and they have like a database where they, they of course look at, well, they'll, they know what is my body fat percentage, what is my lean muscle mass percentage and what's my weight and all, all this, right? Cause it's analyzed my body. And I was just looking at from the first measurement that I got to the last one, it actually recommends like your ideal weight. And I was a little bit above my ideal weight actually. But uh, as I've built muscle mass, it has recommended that my ideal weight like is higher than it was. So if the first time it recommended 64 kilos as my ideal weight, now it's recommending like 66 kilos just because my muscle mass has increased and it recognizes that I can be heavier at a healthy, you know, I can be healthy at a heavier weight. So that was, I thought, pretty cool. Anyway, that was a little bit of a side back to the topic. So now we talked about rest and recovery, nutrition, protein, so calories and protein. And the third thing that I would really be thinking about is your overall stress levels. So in perimenopause, your cortisol, your stress hormone levels are a little bit higher than they were before. And that has to do with changes in your estrogen and progesterone levels, which had been kind of controlling that cortisol earlier. Plus, a lot of us are dealing with aging parents. We have our jobs. 
We might have teenagers keeping us up at night. You know, there are a lot of things going on in our lives, a lot of stressors, and it is really no joke that you need to learn to manage your stress. And if your stress levels are high, it can be an inhibitor for muscle growth because cortisol is actually a destructive hormone. It breaks down muscle tissue. So trying to keep your stress bucket from overflowing is important. So I love the analogy of a stress bucket. So if you picture a bucket, which has a small, like outgoing tube, like a little drip, dimp, 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 and then all the factors pouring into the stress bucket. Those things can be like your sleep, bad sleep, um, stressing your body out with too much hard exercise, uh, with dieting, with your kids, with your guilty feelings, you know, all the things, right? So you need to think about how many things are adding to your stress bucket right now and whether you can handle them. So managing stress is something that is important for us women in middle age. And it also can affect how well our workouts are actually bringing results when we're doing our weight training. Yes, but so today we covered the role of recovery and rest sleep, all that, the role of nutrition, calories, and protein, and then also managing stress. So these are three factors that can also affect how quickly you get results in the weight room. These are just a part of the bigger picture of what things affect how, what kind of results you'll get. In the previous podcast, I went over the things you can't control that will affect how you're, how quickly you see results and the things you can control in your workouts that will affect how quickly you see results. So check out that podcast too. So that was today's podcast. I hope that you found it useful and informative. I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to drop me a line. Uh, best place to get in touch with me is on Instagram at bfitafter4040 underscore with Lynn, or you can email me at lynn at bfitafter40.com. And I hope to see you next time. Happy training. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 40 Plus Fitness for Women. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your appreciation, please hit the subscribe button. That helps me to reach more listeners because it signals to the podcast algorithm gods that this is a good show. Talk to you next week.